DJ and PK brought you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. We are joined now by Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Networks. Yogi, welcome back to the show. Yeah, good good to be back. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're glad the Pac-12 football is finally here, even if it is kind of piecemeal, mix and match, games made up on the fly. Some games are better than no games for people who like to watch football. Uh, How disoriented are you by all of this? How weird do you find this season? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's definitely something none of us have clearly ever experienced. Uh, To me, after the first game of the season, the first week of the season, I should say, I tried to just flip my mind to kind of just appreciate the games we get and and not be frustrated by the, the games that get, get canceled. Because when I walked into the season, I, I was really confident with the daily testing and everything that was kind of trending towards the Pac-12 direction that may, maybe won't be the school or the conference that won't be as affected as the other one because of all the precautions. And what we've all realized is that this virus is clearly dictating terms regardless of how much you're testing and the safety protocols and the measures that each school are taking. So after the frustration from week one, because I was surprised by that, uh, now it's more of like, all right, like we got four games. Let's, let's celebrate all the ones that we get. And uh, I think with the teams and the frustrations that you know, a program like Utah is having, it's, it's flipping the script to next year and, and talking about the positives that can come out of the season. So that, that's kind of how I've been dealing with it. But clearly there's been a lot to, to go through on the field and then, you know, to me, you, you take a minute and look in the newspaper, you see what else is going around the world, and, and you realize that you know we're lucky that we get a couple games. You know, just, this easily could get shut down, I can imagine, just based on what the world is like right now. Yeah, the way I'm looking at it, Yogi, is this season is like a lab. You know, we all took college classes, and you had to go to labs, and they were important, but you know they weren't as important as the tests. And so I'm not putting a whole lot of stock necessarily in the conference races. But once, and I was at the SC-Utah game, you know, no fans, and we know about that great environment that they have. But once the ball was hiked, you know, it was real football. It may not have been the real football to the level that it would be if you knew you were playing uh, months in advance and all that stuff. But still, it's what we got, so let's enjoy it because obviously it's better than nothing. As I step back, recognizing that it's not a true season in the way we know it, to me, so far, the biggest surprise is Colorado. Yeah, I think that's really fair um, on the positives, right? Like, the biggest surprise to me is probably Arizona State playing one game. You know, <laughs> out of all the things that have happened this year, that, that one has surprised me the most, I think. But, yeah, I'm with you. And I got to call Colorado San Diego State over the weekend just based on the late change that happened in their schedule. And I think there's a couple things. One is that program's really well coached. They'll remind you of Utah in that regard. Two, because of the head coaching change, we almost forgot about the returning players they've had. And the defensive front, it's real. you know. And I'm not just talking about Nate Lamb as linebacker making a bunch of plays, but Terrence Lang, Mustafa Johnson. But they, they have some guys that really looked apart physically, uh, and have experience. You know, they, they all played since the moment they got to Boulder. So I'm with you there. And then, of course, Sam Neuer is probably the best story of the season with Jared Broussard, two guys that no one anticipated being you know, alpha leaders on this program, let alone statistical leaders in the conference. And they both, to me, are playing at, at some version of an all-conference level at, at their respective positions. So I'm excited for that program. Everybody clearly coming back. I'd anticipate Neuer coming back for that, that mulligan year as you referenced. And, and they're going to be a fun team to watch. And 
you know, it's a tough situation that they're in with the game being canceled at SC because the, the way I understand it this morning, because it changed over the weekend, my interpretation of it, is that if them and SC went out, then because of SC having more conference games, thus a better conference record, they would go to the title even though SC had to pull out of their head-to-head game, which is just frustrating and mind-boggling to a large degree. But that, that's the way the rule is now. So, uh, unfortunately for Colorado fans, I think you kind of, of course, need to win out, but you also want SC to have a game postponed, which is not a healthy way of operating in a 2020 pandemic, but that's the reality of it. Maybe it's just root for UCLA to beat USC. That yeah, would do it. Is. Now, yeah. is UCLA better? Are they turning a corner? They lost to Colorado, but if Colorado's good, maybe that's not such a deal. UCLA ought to be better. I'm like, you're in the middle of Southern California. Get it together. Get it yeah. together. Are they, <laughs> they doing are. that? They are. They really are. I mean, the thing with Chip Kelly is when he came in, you know, it wasn't like your standard come to L.A., go get a bunch of L.A. recruits, and we win now. That's what we all thought it would be. That's definitely what I thought it would be. The reality, looking back on this thing with revisionist history in mind, they had a total roster overhaul. I'm talking like 70, 80 players overhaul. This wasn't like 10 guys left because they weren't starting and they were mad. This was like a big-time overhaul. Guys retiring, guys transferring, guys just opting out, guys just quitting football. Um, guys not being, you know, academically eligible to be on the pro, on the on the roster, and then of course the way Chip Kelly recruits is that he's not just going to recruit the biggest names in L.A. You've got to fit the personality type. You got to fit all the metrics that they have, and they didn't really recruit L.A. well, to be really blunt. His first year and a half in this program, in terms of some of the names you thought they'd be in on, but over the last year and a half they've done that as well as really recruited the J.C. level. Uh, and, of course, uh, the portal. They've worked the portal. So you look at their defense. The leaders on the defense weren't within the program, you know, or weren't eligible to play, right? They had a transfer linebacker uh, from Texas early last season who couldn't play last year. He's the leader of the defense. You have uh, a, a Calvert, their linebacker. He wasn't eligible most of last season due to an NCAA rules violation. Their starting safety was playing at Kent State. Their starting corner was playing at Stanford. I mean, almost uh, half their defense are, are new players. And then there's the depth that all played as freshmen two years ago or last year. So you're right uh, on that side. They're making plays and win the line of scrimmage. And offensively, they're doing what Chip Kelly's, I think, really always loved to do, which is run the ball with incredible diversity. Demetrius Felton, to me, might be the most explosive player in this conference. You know, to really think about it, that's a fair discussion to have with what he's done over the course of this season, let alone his career. Britton Brown is the big back that Chip Kelly loves to pound the rock with. And then at quarterback, they've survived without Dorian the last two weeks to Chase Griffin. Um, you could argue they outplayed Oregon. I, I think they did at the line of scrimmages, which I would have never thought I would say. Sean Ryan it might be the best left tackle in this conference right now. And they're, they're just playing a good brand of ball. And then once they get a first first down, they're really putting you in a dramatic bind. And I, I saw something last night just to kind of make my final point on them that absolutely blew my mind, which was when you look at the Pac-12 right now, if I told you that UCLA had the leading uh, uh, yard yardage uh, wide receiver, you'd probably you'd say there's no chance that that's the case, but it's the truth with Greg Dolchich, number one receiver in total yards, number two running back in total yards, Number two and number five, and they're sack leaders. And also Odigizua and Caleb Johnson, who is the, the Texas transfer. I mean, think about that. But that. 
we would have never thought that about UCLA, but that's their truth. So, yes, they have turned a corner, and you did. the SC game will be huge for that program and, and definitely wouldn't be surprised if they came out on top because they played well. So the Utes uh, lost a ton on defense, and we've seen they've made some mistakes in some coverages. They let the tight end for Washington get loose. And on offense, they've had nine turnovers, which is so un-Whittingham-like. And so that's led to their 0-2 thing. And the thing that really, really bothers me, I think it sucks the most, is that going on the theory that this season is a lab, particularly for the Utes, since they had to replace so many dudes from last season, the thing that really upsets me is this could have been a great opportunity for Cam Rising to get his feet wet because he hadn't played in college after transferring from Texas, and he gets 14 plays, and he goes out with the injury. I mean, I... That really does suck, and I think that that has the potential to not be a wasted season, but not be the development that the entire team for the Utes that they could have gotten if he could have had the opportunity to play. Yeah, I, I, I concur on all of that. Um, I'm with you, man. I mean, the excitement around Cam Rising was amazing when he came in, and then it got tempered because Jake Bentley transferred in. You're thinking, all right, if they're going to take a grad transfer, they probably believe in the fact that they needed grad transfer a quarterback and then for him to respond the way he did and win the job I mean I would have loved to have seen him practice let alone play in a game just to see his ability because clearly the staff believed in him and you're right this is a team that they have all the tools to be a championship caliber team like do not be surprised next year in the preseason poll when they get a bunch of votes to win the Pac-12 South uh, just pending guys going to the draft, and I don't anticipate everybody returning for the year that's a relative mulligan in 2020. So I'm with you. Super frustrating in that regard. Uh, I think to your point, though, on the defense, it is going to be a dramatically beneficial year for them. To all the things that you referenced, and when we talked about it before the season started, the biggest challenge, I think, for guys, especially in the back end, is playing games, is playing the ball and making real real, real time, real speed, high speed decisions when you've got to trust in the coverage, your technique, all, all the things that every coach will say, you know, you got you need game reps. I just, I just believe that. So for that back end to get those games reps, it's going to be huge. It really is. And, you know, the front seven played obviously much better than they did uh, in their first game of the season. Their offensive line looked like a different unit against UW for a lot of that game in terms of just moving the line of scrimmage. You know, they weren't perfect, of course, but they played much better than I thought they did in their first outing. And the turnovers, it's just super uncharacteristic to your point. Uh, but they're they're really young, which to me is uncharacteristic covering them for the last decade. Like, I feel like Utah's never been the young team, but clearly with all the departures they are. So, yeah, Sky is, is much uh, brighter in better days in, uh, in terms of 2021. And it'll be fun to watch them these last couple of weeks because now they get to kind of play spoiler to a certain degree with Oregon State with the biggest win you could argue in conference play over the last couple of seasons. I mean, what a what a dramatic win by them for that program. And then, of course, against Colorado, which will try to remain undefeated. So it'll be fun to watch Utah in the final month here or the final couple of weeks. So we mentioned the free year multiple times, and that sounds good, but this could be a uh, from what I've been told, a classic uh, NCAA PR move, but behind the scenes isn't that good for student-athletes because I was told, well, there's a math problem here. Either they're going to squeeze the freshmen or they're going to the incoming class or they're going to 
move the scholarship limit up to 100 or 110 athletes. So, but all the schools have financial at, uh, issues, so they probably keep it at 85, which means coaches are going to have hard conversations and force kids out of the program, especially kids in the third or fourth year who haven't uh, made an impact and found their way onto the field. Now, nobody wants to say that into a microphone or a camera, but if you have an honest discussion with someone away from it, that is what they say with no hesitation or apology. Are you hearing the same thing, or do you think it's going to play out differently? Well, I think this, uh, and I talked to someone in recruiting last night because here we are, you know, two and a half weeks away from signing day, so I'm beginning my prep today, to be honest with you, on signing day. It's usually what I would do in the beginning of December because the season would be relatively over. It's supposed to be championship week right now. Uh, with that said, I, I asked that exact question. And the way that uh, it is working, to my understanding as of a few hours ago, is that you're basing your 2020 class, 2020-2021 class, on your senior class. So if you have 20 outgoing seniors, uh, you're going to have 20 eligible scholarships. If you have 11 outgoing seniors, like I think Oregon State does, for instance, you have 11 scholarships, right? So that is, to me, the understanding that programs are operating with, is your senior class is the one that gets the quote-unquote extra year. Um, so whatever you have in your senior class, that's what you should offer to the freshman class coming in. Now, my counter to that, and this is how I would do it if I was a head coach, is I would not sign a heavy class this year if it was based on that ideology. So let's just say I had 20 seniors, right? Just let's be very general. And I have 20 then scholarship opportunities for freshmen. I would sign like 10 or 12 for, for two points. One is, is for all intents and purposes, we should assume that the NCAA is going to allow players to transfer next year without being penalized. So I would fill up my roster with a bunch of older guys next year, a bunch of grad transfers, a bunch of people that are in junior, senior years of eligibility, um, because I don't want to be too young. Because to your earlier point, if now all of a sudden I signed 20 real freshmen, last year I signed 25 real freshmen, the year before I signed 25 now either redshirt freshmen or sophomores, I have so many young players and probably overloaded a lot of positions that guys are going to leave anyway. So with the anticipation of the one-time transfer rule happening, I wouldn't load up with a bunch of 17-year-olds that didn't visit your campus for the most part, didn't play a senior year in high school for the most part, that you don't know a ton about for the most part, I would say, you know what, I'm going to go work the portal like never before. And I think you're going to see major roster overhaul at the programs that do that. And I, and I think for this year, that's the, that's the way to go if you can get those types of athletes academically into your institution. So then the people who get squeezed out is not at the end of it, it's at the beginning of it. It's high school seniors now. Yeah, I think that's probably the reality of it. Um, and I think that I'm mentoring a bunch of kids right now that didn't play their senior year. And it's, it's a terrible situation to be in because all they have is workouts, you know, in the park they can put on video, right? So for coaches, like how much do they trust in junior tape? And then the frustrating part for those young men, the, the young players is nobody's, nobody's seen them develop. Like I'm talking to a quarterback now named Billy Osborne, who I think is a gifted player out of the state of New Jersey. He went from 6'1", 180 pounds, to 6'4", 205 as a senior. And he got squeezed out. He got to get a couple games in, but because coaches always offer quarterbacks early, he didn't get to go to a camp. 
right? And and there's kids like that in California and, and all over the Pac-12 footprint. So yeah, you're right. It's 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 going to happen. Um, it's going to happen one way or the other. So it'll be interesting to watch what coaches do, um, especially the new coaches in this conference that didn't get to go out to a bunch of these high schools. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a it's a real tough scenario. Uh, to me, if I, I wish I was part of this meeting, and I've said forever, I'd love to be on the committee for you know the, the college football playoff president or the college football president because there needs to be a building that has three floors at least that is operating this thing because I would say you get 25 extra scholarships. That's how I would do it. And then I would say it's on you, coach, to manage that personnel and to manage the amount of players that you play and to manage the personalities but not squeeze anybody out. But I don't, you know, my understanding is that that's not necessarily going to happen anytime soon to just say, okay, you're at, you know, now at 110 scholarships to your earlier point. You know, there's so many financial stressors on institutions and athletic departments anyway. So I don't know, man. That, that's what I would do um, to, 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 suck, to help the game. Uh, but I don't, I don't necessarily anticipate that happening. Well, Yogi, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on once again, and we will uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Yeah, you got it, guys. Stay safe.